In this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. So, Nehemiah 9 is worth reading. I'll start there. I don't know whether you have been reading the chapters just, you know, during the talks um, that you've listened to or watched. I don't know whether you've read them before or, or maybe not at all, but I, I genuinely suggest that you pause whatever device you're watching this on, listening to this on, and you read Nehemiah chapter 9. Now, if you feel in a good place with God, like, you know, you, you feel that like you're in a good place with God, it will just stir you to your heart to worship and thank God. But if you're um, in a different place where you're feeling um, guilty about mistakes you've made or things that you've got wrong, um, or, or maybe you're just aware that you've spent a lot of time forgetting about God and you're feeling a bit, um, you know, just guilty about that or just, you know, feeling uncomfortable about that, maybe you're um, aware that you've been looking to your own strength, wisdom, skills, finance, intelligence. Whatever of those circumstances you're in just now, reading Nehemiah 9 will be good for you. Because what you will see is it tells the story of the people of God and time and time again, they do the same things. They they forget God, they they, they get stuff wrong, they, they look to themselves or other things. But time and again, God is willing to welcome them back. Time and time again, time and time again, you are welcomed by God. It reminds us just of just how staggeringly good God is. It will remind you of how staggeringly good God is. But the extent of God's willingness and his love for his people, it, it's far beyond even just saying staggeringly good. And uh, this is your pun warning. It's not staggeringly good. I would say it's staggeringly God. There you go. I've got my pun title into you. But only God could love an unfaithful people and a people who muck stuff up like this. It is beyond the realm and the ability of anyone except God to love people in the way that he does. Even the best of the false gods, you know, that were around at this time and even the false gods that we have now of money or, or security or wealth, or none of those false gods are able to love and forgive and welcome people back as well as our real God can, which is incredible. You know, you would think like, you know, basically like, you know, all the fictitious things that we say, oh, this is God, this is the most important thing. You'd think in our fiction, we would be able to conjure something up where they would be more welcoming and forgiving than God. Well, no, they can't. They all fail and fall short. Only God is able to forgive and welcome us back like nothing else, like nothing else in your life. He is staggeringly God. So if you remember, like Nehemiah 8, they've um, they've just rediscovered the Bible. They've just re-understood the law. They've re-understood their history of how they got to where they are now. They've they've rediscovered the good and the bad, and the, basically the good of what God's done and the bad of what they have done. They've celebrated this festival for seven days. There's been kind of great joy about the people. And the day after that celebration finishes, and, and the, 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 we find you know, Nehemiah 9, where they spend a quarter of the day reading the Bible, a quarter of the day um, in confession and worship. Now, they're not doing that, what we're reading about in Nehemiah 9. It's not happening because they are following some sort of, you know, kind of festival or tradition that's been handed down. This is this is just um, like a spontaneous response of the people 
to rediscovering God and the word of God. And so in that moment, after that moment, the Levites stand up and they give this, this basically potted history. It's kind of like, you know, like the, the kind of the, the, the keynotes from the history of the people. And they remind them to say, like, you know, like, your God is the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And that same God chose Abraham and made a covenant with him. And the Levites say, you, guys, you people that are listening to this now, you are the evidence of God's faithfulness to that promise that he made to Abraham. And they get reminded of the um, the Egypt and, and the wonders performed by Pharaoh, the escape, the parting of the Red Sea, being led in the wilderness by pillars of cloud and fire. They get reminded of God speaking to them on Mount Sinai, the commandments he's given, you know, water from the rock, manna given to them from heaven. God's instruction to go and take the land that he was giving them, these, these incredible acts of God. And then you see in verse 16, but our ancestors became arrogant and stiff-necked and they didn't obey your commands. They failed to listen to what it was that God was telling them to do for their own good. And so they appoint a new leader. They kind of appoint someone themselves. And they basically return to slavery, building idols and claiming those things actually saved them. Now, so, so just to put that in context, imagine last week you saved my life. You know, and I, I'm indebted to you for saving me because I was I was destined for death. I was going to be killed or a car was about to hit me. And somehow you came and you saved me. And my family and everyone who knows me and everyone who loves me is indebted to you. And that happened last week. And then today I go and get some um, some some felt tissue paper and some lollipop sticks, some straws. And I make an arts and crafts creature of my own making, like some bad school project. And then I start to insist that it wasn't you that saved my life, but this monstrosity that I've just made with my own hands. That's what they're doing. It's, it's as ridiculous and flagrant as that. But in his compassion, God didn't abandon them. He never stopped guiding them, providing food and water for them, protecting them. He led them for 40 years safely through the wilderness. Time and time again, he forgives them and welcomes them back. He gives them kingdoms and nations. He grew the nation of Israel for them. He gave them the land that he promised he would give them. He subdued armies, these incredibly powerful, mighty nations. God subdues them. He gave them cities, fertile lands, houses, vineyards, cattle, fields, great abundance and goodness. And what do you see? Verse 26, they were disobedient and rebelled. But God still has compassion and rescues them. And then you get to verse 28. And as soon as they were at rest, they started to do evil again before God. But again, his compassion comes in and he delivers them time and time again. And then verse 29, he warns them. He says, come back to me. And God for many years was patient, waiting for them to get their attention. Verse 31, it says, in God's great mercy, he never abandoned us. And then it takes them to these people now in this moment. And he says, you have been acted unfaithfully while God has acted faithfully. And they present themselves again before God and they lay before them their current predicament and say, this is of our own making. We got this wrong and you're a faithful God and we don't deserve it. But they remember the history. They look back at their history and say, look at all that God has done for us. And, you know, we can do that. However, 
stiff neck jaw. Whether you whether you read verse 16, 26, 28, 29, you think, sheesh, that describes me. Verse 32 tells you it's okay to call out to God again. Despite everything you've done, despite any situations of your own making or just circumstances happen to you, you can call out to God again. And he is staggeringly good. He is staggeringly God. I read this um, story recently of this, um, there was a self-made guy. He, he basically was sitting on, the, on holiday on the um, on the shores of, um, of Lake Tahoe. And he had this dream about being his own boss, working from this place and, you know, having this great quality of life. And so he starts this business. And in four years, it grew to be incredibly successful. And he's at the point in the story where he's basically agreed a deal to sell this company that he started four years before for $50 million. And so the deal has been struck and it's just going through the due diligence stages. And so he decided during this point, he's worked incredibly hard for these four years, he decides to take a couple of weeks holiday. And so he goes and travels the world and, and he listed this just like incredible list of things that he did and places he went and adventures he had during this two week holiday. But in the interim, while he's away, the situation at the company that was buying his company changed. And like this kind of confluence of different events basically meant that the business that was going to be buying him, that, that you know, kind of deals, this due diligence go through, suddenly they're struggling. And actually it wasn't through a fault of their own in any way. It was a, it was like a, a, a circumstances that conspired to make this event happening. And this guy comes back a short time later, that business is bankrupt. He had to lay off 200 plus employees. He's personally bankrupt. He talks about starting to develop this alcohol problem. Now, now, he's writing from a retrospective place. He's, he was in a good place at the point of writing. But he gone in a very short time through no fault of his own from, from a, an incredible grace and wealth and all these sorts of things to suddenly being personally bankrupt, having to sack people, having to close his business down and being in this horrendous place. You see, all the good things in life are fickle. Any one of us could discover tomorrow we've got a health problem and suddenly our world just gets flipped up in its head. The, the situation at your company could change. Your home life could change. There could be some scandal that whips up around you, not even necessarily through your own fault. There could be a problem in the church. There, there could be some sort of personally small decision you make, some compromise that just leads to an unravelling and, and leads you to a situation or maybe just, you know, like that's already happened and you just feel like kind of washed up in the, the surf, you know, this crashing of the surf. You're just, you're battered, tattered. You've got bile in your throat. You just, you just don't know where to go. Either because of circumstance or because of your own choices and decisions you've made. No matter what has unraveled in your life, no matter what is unraveling just now or will unravel tomorrow, whether it's all your fault or whether it's through no fault of your own, God is here and he is good and he loves you and he will never leave and forsake you. He is loving, he is patient, he is welcoming, he delights in you. So read Nehemiah 9. Whatever your situation is just now, God is here and he is welcoming and he loves you. You are his unique creation. He made you, 
He loves you and he has purpose for you. Nothing is beyond the reach of God to redeem. Nothing is beyond the work that Jesus did at the cross. Nothing. So whatever's happening now, turn to God. He is staggeringly good. And he loves you. And he will welcome you back. God bless.